Good morning, everybody. Y'all, y'all, y'all quiet this morning. Good morning, everybody. Oh, man. Oh, man. Grace and peace to the people of God. Grace and peace. Most, most deaf, most deaf. You can only say that to a believer. Only people that know Christ can understand what true grace and what true peace means. And so um, before every letter, the first, one of the first things that Paul would say after he proclaimed himself as God, one of God's appointed apostles, and he would uh, um, promote the fact that he's coming in a particular name, then he would say grace and peace. And so I say to you this morning, grace and peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's open up and pray, and we're going to dive in. Father, we thank you that um, we have been allowed by you to be gathered, to gather around you. That's why we gather, Lord God, to continue to celebrate the reality of, of, of you copying a team of people um, to show off the fact that you rule and will rule and are reigning and will reign. And so today we just continue. And Lord God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. Lord God, may you continue to be our strength and continue to be our redeemer as we dive in. John, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We've been going through the book of John, and I've been having an enjoyable, enjoyable time going through the book of John. How many of you have been enjoying this series as we've been going through? I've been learning a lot about Jesus even more than I thought I knew. Um, has Jesus been twisting your wig? Yeah, yeah. See, Jesus, Jesus is, he's, po- he's potent with his. And, and what we're going to talk about today um, it's really a continuation of what we have been talking about. And this text is a continuation of last week because um, we've been going verse by verse through John. And we've just been seeking to convey, seeking to highlight the person of the Lord Jesus Christ um, because we believe that he's underpreached. We believe that humanity or what we believe is we, we call anthropocentric, say anthropocentric. Yeah, man-centered messages. We believe that many messages seem to center on man, and God seems to be the byproduct. But so what we want to do is we want to uniquely zoom in on one of our core values as we go through this series and continuously call Christocentrism. Say Christocentrism. That's a very important thing, Christ-centeredness, not, not the announcement of Christ-centeredness, but knowing what the nutrition of what it means to be Christ-centered looks like. And so today is nothing but a continued elaboration on the book of John and what it means to be less anthropocentric and become more Christocentric. What we're going to talk about today reminds me of just, just a whole lot of things. I mean, I, we really had to compact because there's so much in this in this passage that that's dripping with Old Testament imagery. I mean, it's dripping with it. And so we're going it's it's really gonna be our time is gonna be like a narrative journey throughout the comparativeness of the theology of the shepherd in the old and new testament. We're gonna talk about some application and things like that. But I don't think people know what a shepherd is. And one of the things that, that I'm seeing um in our society even is that leadership without leadership Nothing will work. I, I don't care what it is. If you have a bunch of people that want to do something, they'll want to do something, won't go anywhere without leadership. Um, someone and I were talking about movies the other day, and I said, man, 
I said, I don't care how good the actors are. I don't care how good the cameramen are. I don't care how good the technology is. I don't care how good the script is. If you don't have a director, you don't have a movie. I mean, you could do what you, you can get all of that stuff together. I've seen some of the some of the best material fall through the cracks because it didn't have a director. And in our society, our society needs directors. Our society needs leaders. Our school system in Philly needs leadership. Our, our, our streets need leadership. Our churches need leadership. Every area of our lives are, 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 are in need of leadership. And I got to turn in the last draft of my dissertation tomorrow. And one of the things that I talk about in it is the systemic nature. I, I did a biblical theology within it on leadership from Genesis to Revelation. And as I began to study, I found out several things. That everything that God wanted to do, whenever he wanted to proclaim a message, whenever he wanted to reach a people, the first thing he did was he sent his word to a leader. If there is no leader who has a word from God, who has God's viewpoint in mind, nothing will happen. And what I was, what's funny about my study is not only, is not only did he appoint a leader, but he sent him and, and the people of God to an urban center where there was high influx of people, a high population of people. So it's real, real, real deep stuff about leadership. And so I'm kind of bleeding from the overflow of that as we dive into this text because what has happened over time is there have been been typological leaders throughout the Bible, but then we come to John 10 where there is going to be the ultimate leader. I mean, right now in our culture, we have a lot of shepherds in our culture. We have a lot of shepherds, but most of those shepherds are not theological shepherds, Christocentric shepherds, but anthropocentric shepherds, because everybody wants their five minutes of fame. In our culture, hip-hop is the shepherd of our culture right now. And, 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 and so we, we, we have all all of these shepherds, it reminds me back in the day, back in the 80s, some of y'all are not going to remember it, but Eric B. had a song called Follow the Leader. And Eric B. in, the, in, in, that, in that song talking about follow the leader, I mean, it tripped me, it tripped me out, you know, in the video, because you got Eric B., they got these old 20s cars, and they got on their dobs and blickies, that's a hat with, with a coat, and they took off their hip-hop guard, they go, dun, 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 they walk in, and man, cats drove them behind them, like, I got to follow this cat, look how his, look how his swag is, and all of these people are following him, and so, and so Eric B. proclaims himself as a leader, and, 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 as, and as a personification of leadership in hip-hop culture we 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 are we're not void of people following leaders we're void of theocentric leaders and so what we need in our society are not just people who proclaiming themselves as leaders proclaiming themselves as kings proclaiming themselves as shepherds but they have to be submissive to the ultimate leader and today in our passage we're going to dive into the scriptures and we're going to just talk about the ultimate leader are y'all with me Right here in the passage, Jesus bestially uh, makes a monstrous presentation of the difference between jacked up leaders and banging leaders. Two, I mean, he just, he just cuts. I mean, what I like about Jesus is Jesus never leaves smoke in the air. Jesus always, listen, Jesus always wants to draw a line in the sand and say, listen, this is what it is and this is what it's not. He, Jesus doesn't swim in gray areas. He's a black and white dude. And so in this passage, we see the beauty of Jesus in doing this. In this passage, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, verse 1, he says, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper 
opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought um, out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus begins with an imagery that is just as old as the Bible itself. The first shepherd to ever be proclaimed in Scripture was Abel. Abel was the first shepherd. Even though Adam positionally was the first shepherd, Abel was the first shepherd as it relates to sheep. The Bible, I mean, I, I, I was almost overwhelmed at how much the Bible talks about shepherding. I mean, if you ever get a chance... Pull out your concordance. Look up the word shepherd, sheep, goat, sheepfold, fold. And look at all that the, I mean, I had to condense all that we were going to talk about today because the Bible talks so much about sheep and shepherds. And the Bible talks about it in, in, in terms of how the New Testament understands sheep, but then how the Old Testament understands sheep. In the New Testament, shepherds, Rather, shepherds were seemed to be these despised cats who were a lower class group of dudes who were a necessary evil. They stank. Um, they had a boring job by spending time with sheep. And, and but in the in the Old Testament and the law of the prophets and the writings, um, there are many there are many there are a multitude of passages on shepherding and sheep. And this passage at hand is really the fleshing out of Ezekiel chapter thirty four which we're going to spend our time in today. But, 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 but Jesus does a, does, a, does a wonderful job. And in the Old Testament, there are several imageries of, of the shepherd and the sheep relationship. God, in his relationship with Israel, is spoken of as the shepherd of his people. Uh, Psalm 77, verse 20. Christ is talked about as the shepherd. Uh, kings and even leaders of people and political leaders in the Old Testament were looked at as shepherds. In the New Testament, we see gospel leaders, uh, ministers of the gospel, seen as shepherds. Uh, um, um, and then you just see regular dudes who are shepherding sheep. And so Jesus draws off the imagery of the Old Testament and pulls it into this passage. And listen, Jesus fulfilled a multitude of prophets. This is the, under, this is the understudied, most understudied fulfillment of Jesus of prophecy that I've seen in, the, in all of my studies of Christology. But here in this passage, Jesus begins to develop what, what we call, it's not a parable, it, it, it's kind of like what's called a symbolic discourse. Y'all still with me? In this symbolic discourse, Jesus starts off in verses 1 through 6. He starts off by giving them an illustration of what he's about to talk about. In verses 7 um, through about 21, what he does is he begins to give an interpretation of what he means. And then in the rest of it, he just defends himself as leader in the rest of the chapter. And so right here in this section, right here in this section, I want to talk about several ways in which you know a true shepherd. Because in our society, um, I'm, I'm just going to focus in on that. What is a true shepherd? <laughs> um, because in our society, we are unclear on what a true shepherd should be like. And so in this passage, Jesus lays that out. And so the first thing you're going to know, if you're going to understand the nature of a true shepherd, is a true shepherd authenticates his identity. A true shepherd authenticates his identity. Jesus says in this passage, he says, he who does not enter by the sheepfold, 
by the door, but climbs in another way. That man is a thief and a robber, but but he who enters by the door is the shepherd. Well, in their times, what they would do is next to their houses, people who were shepherds, they would build these rock fences, these stone fences, and they would build them, and they would and they would build within it a gate, a wooden gate, and then on top of it, that you know they didn't have barbed wire, but they did set up uh, traps for if anyone would try to climb in, so that to make sure that they weren't able to get in and get to the sheep. And in their time, not only that, they would always uh, they would appoint like when the shepherd wasn't there, like David did when he was going to take uh, sandwiches to his brothers. They would they would hire a, a, a hired shepherd who's not really a shepherd, but just kind of babysitter of the sheep. And that person many times would stand at the gate and the shepherd would dip. And when the shepherd would dip, he would leave the sheep in his care. What Jesus talks about, Jesus talks about in this passage, the difference between a robber, the difference between a thief, the difference between a hireling, and then the difference between a shepherd. And so right here in this section, he does something beautiful. He says, he says, you know, a true shepherd in the way in which he enters into the fold. He said, he said, see, the thief and the robber, they try to climb in another way because the gatekeeper doesn't acknowledge them as the shepherd. Jesus in this passage is playing on the and John even uses it in a beautiful way. If you if, if you, to understand this, you got to understand this, that John was the gatekeeper. John was the gatekeeper and the gatekeeper only lets in the person to the sheepfold that he recognizes as the shepherd. And so when Jesus came along, John proclaimed Jesus as the true shepherd. And so that's why he says, listen, I must decrease that he must increase. In other words, I'm opening up the door. Why? Because Malachi 3 says that, G- that when the Messiah was come, there would be a forerunner that comes before him. And that forerunner was going to preach. And when that forerunner preached and prophesied, he was going to regather the people of God. And when he regathered the people of God into what is a foe, then what he's going to do is he's going to step out of the way for the shepherd. And so Jesus is talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees as being thieves and robbers. And in the, in the, and in the passage Pastor Deuce talked about last week, you see how you, you, you see split point accuracy in talking about the nature of blindness of the nation of Israel and their relationship through people who recognize Jesus as the great shepherd. And so he goes on down and he begins to say, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold, the sheepfold is the place where the sheep are kept by the door or gate is a better translation, but climbs in another way. That man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He says, so this cat is recognizable because of his way that he entered into the sheepfold. And then it says, to him, the keeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own by name and leads them out. When he comes, when a shepherd would come into a fold back then, stay, stay with me because this is the parable part of it. He would walk into the sheepfold after the gatekeeper would, 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 um, would open the open the door for him and would and open the gate for him and the and the shepherd will walk in to the sheepfold. Now understand this: in their times, a lot of shepherds would leave their sheep within a particular fold. And so when the shepherd would come in, like the shepherd was like, yo, dag, which ones are my sheep? 
Okay. And they had that like shepherds got this wild like language they use, like like they make up calls for their sheep. And what they would do is instead of going through one by one, going and get sheep, they would stand at the gate and they would make a they would make a call to their sheep. And the sheep would look up and the sheep will begin to move and they would begin to shoot past all of the other sheep of another fold. And they would go and head right to their shepherd. And so Jesus says, Jesus says, listen. He says, to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep, hear his voice. He says, soon as, he says, listen, soon as the shepherd walks through the gate and he opens his mouth, everybody that belongs to that shepherd would come out of that fold. Oh, stay with me. Because I'm going somewhere with all of this. But then he says, but then he says, and he calls his own sheep by name. So now he talks about the the sheep respond. The the way the shepherd identifies himself is he has a particular voice. Dang, I don't want to apply too early. I got to go there. You know, I, I am blown away by people who claim to be Christians. And when God speaks from his word, they don't respond. I'm bothered by it. It's confusing to me. Like, no matter how hard the message is, no matter how hard the shepherd's voice is, when Jesus speaks from his word and people don't respond to it who claim to be sheep. I'm blown away by it because our society, like we were talking about a few weeks ago, is I'm, 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 I'm tired of making people sheep who are not sheep. Jesus says, the way you'll know that I am who I say I am is when I walk into the fold and I call out, people respond. What's powerful when you go back to John 9 is the, the blind man represents a group of people that's his sheep. And, and the blind man is like, I don't understand how y'all don't understand what I'm saying because I told you that I was once blind, but now I see. And man, and then Jesus says, do you believe that I'm the son of man? He said, yeah, show him to me because I'm ready to believe him. He, and, and listen, listen to what he says. He says, um, you have saw him. Now, you got to understand what he means by that. He didn't say that he saw him at that moment. He saw the son of man when he was still blind. He was, he said, past tense. He said, you have seen him. And now in front of you is the son of man whom you. And so what happened is, is even in his blindness, his physical blindness, God sovereignly worked in him so that his spiritual eyes would respond to a person he never saw with his physical eyes. See, that, see, God likes to stack the odds against people who think they're sheep. And, w- and what he does is he wants to make it hard for you to see him so that when you finally recognize that you see him, that it's clear to everybody. And, and even the blind man was like, yo, I don't, I don't understand, y'all. Like I, like, I was blind. God doesn't listen to sinners. You know, he's walking through the thing. And Jesus, in this passage, is now proclaiming the difference between those who are in the fold who he calls to that belongs to another shepherd and those who he calls to that responds to him that belongs to him. And so we, as people of God, have to respond to the voice of Christ. It is massively, massively important. But the issue is no one should have to fight with us to respond to the voice of Christ. Because a true sheep follows their shepherd. Jesus says the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. 
And the sheep of the shepherd, they, 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 they blindly, they physically blindly follow him. Oh, I got to move. But then he says, and he says he knows him by name. So the shepherd is also in identity intimately, 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 intimately un- and understands his sheep. So he understands his sheep so well that he gives them nicknames. Back in that day, they would give their sheep nicknames. He would say, come here, come here, come here, uh, Shaquita, come here. Uh, come here, Ray Ray, come here. Shaquita and Ray Ray say, come over to the shepherd. Because, they, because, the, because, because he would be able to call them by their name. And, because, and listen, they knew their name because it wasn't a name that was given to them by someone else. It was given to them by their shepherd. And their shepherd had, and now these are sheep, so you've got to understand, they ain't like humans. I know my name. These are sheep. And so, and so he had so spent time with the sheep and kept calling them specifically by their name that they identified with the shepherd based on him calling them him and not them. So the shepherd, a true shepherd who identifies himself, spends intimate time with the sheep. And in spending intimate time with the sheep, the shepherd would give them nicknames so that the sheep would have kind of like an in-depth bond with the shepherd. But then it goes on and he says, he says, and when... He has brought all of his own, but all of his own, he goes before them and they follow him. Lord, have mercy. He says, after he's called their names, I mean, after he just he, they had shepherding calls like yodeling and stuff like that. They had all kinds of crazy calls, right? And what they would do is when, the, when he calls out to the sheep, he would turn and begin walking. He wouldn't even look at the sheep anymore because he wouldn't count them until they came out of the gate. And so he would just begin walking and the sheep would just follow because they know his voice. And because they know his voice and they began to follow him, when he got out, he would begin to count them. But what's so powerful about it is they followed him. <laughs> followed him. They hear his voice. They respond to his voice. And they follow. A true sheep that has met the true shepherd follows. And you know, in John's terminology, follow means the difference between a false disciple and a real disciple. But then he goes, he goes on and then he says, he says, a stranger, they will not follow. False shepherds would try to come in. Oh, false shepherds would try to come in. I'm trying to get into everything before we go through. But I mean, false shepherds would try to come in to the fold and imitate and mimic the voice of the shepherd to try to get the sheep come out. But the sheep said, like, he didn't have that rasp in his voice like, like my shepherd got. Like, nah, he a little more high-pitched than that. More bass, more bass if you're trying to imitate my shepherd. More bass. And um, they keep on eating. I mean, I mean we, as, we as believers must be able to recognize strangers. Jesus says, listen, a stranger they won't even follow. Matter of fact, they, they ignore him like he was never even talking to him. I am blown away by our ability to know whether someone is speaking from God. I mean, we have to be able as Christians, as the sheep of God's pasture, to know the difference between when God is talking and when somebody else is talking. I'm surprised at the pitfalls that, that we fall into and in just listening to anybody and anything and chasing after it, but it doesn't resemble the voice of the shepherd. But then he goes and he says, and he says, matter of fact, when they try to come after him, they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. 
Then he says, this, this figure of speech, this figure of speech, uh, Jesus used with them, but um, they did not understand what he was saying to them. That is the general populace of people showing that they are not his sheep. But then he goes from there, and then it goes from here to verse 12, and it says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and life more abundantly or have it abundantly. I have, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Uh, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. Now Jesus goes into interpreting what he just said and Jesus switches up the imagery here and he not only calls himself, he, he, he not only calls himself the shepherd, but he also calls himself the gate. Now, this is, this is interesting imagery, which brings us to our next point. Um, a, a true shepherd, of course, um, makes known his true identity. But not only that, a true shepherd is known by his character. Is known by his character. In this passage, sometimes there wasn't a gate to the sheepfold. There wasn't a gate. So the shepherd, when there was no gate, and he put his sheep into the fold, would lay down in the front of the sheepfold. And when the shepherd would lay in front of the sheepfold, he would act as the gate. And he would act as a gate to let thieves, robbers, and people who don't care about the sheep know that if you want to get to my sheep, you got to come through me. And so right here, Jesus says, not only am I the good shepherd, but I'm the gate. He says, I am the way in to get to the sheep. So he says, I am the door. Jesus as the door is the true life of the kingdom. He says, I am the door to the sheep. The, sh the door to the sheep points to where the true, this is different from the earlier part, because now he was just talking about a general group of people who he's calling out into and pulling out his own. Now he's talking about once he's copped them, pulled them out in his own, he puts them in another sheepfold. And so he says, this is where God has created for those who know Jesus Christ to be put in a community together. And he says, now, I'm not the door to that sheepfold, but I am the door to this one. And he says, if anybody wants to come into this place, he says, if anybody wants to come into this place, they have to come through me. And so Jesus Christ begins to give imagery of the place in which the sheep dwell, the place in which the sheep chill out, hang together, and get it in with their shepherd. He says, I am the door. He says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He says, in this way, I'm talking about coming into the place where you can be saved. But then he goes and he says, we'll, uh, he says and we'll go in and out and find pasture. This go in and out imagery points back to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And when, and when it talks about in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about this. It says, you will be blessed when you go out and when you come in. Now, and he says, and they will find 
pasture. Rich, 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 rich imagery here. Because he's saying here, he says, this is not only, he says, this is not only the place where you're saved, but this is the place where I provide community. Pasture. What happens in this place of pasture? This is a euphemism. This is a euphemism for, of course, what they would do is they would go out and the, and the sheep would eat from the grass. They would drink. They would be satisfied. They would be able to lay down and chill out and not have any fear that anyone is going to do anything to them because their shepherd has placed them in this place. And so right here in the passage, all of this imagery goes back to a bunch of pastor imageries talking about the place of blessing where the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is going to provide. Listen, that's going to provide everything and unlock all of the blessings that God has been promising for centuries. He says this place is the place where God cops a brand new community where he provides and feeds his people, where he waters his people. He doesn't fleece his people, but he takes care of his people. He says they will find pasture. But then he goes down and he begins to give the characteristic differences between a thief or false shepherds and true shepherds. He says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, right here, this is not talking about the devil. Most people apply this verse to the devil. But in this context, it's actually talking about people who try to do wrong to the sheep. And he's basically saying, he says, he says the thing that he, and he, basically in his context, he's talking about the Pharisees, false leaders who try to take the place of the true shepherd. And he says, I came that you might have life and life more abundantly. Hold your finger there and turn over to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. Verse 1, he says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones. But you do not feed the sheep, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because they were, because uh, there was no shepherd, and they uh, became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered Over all the mountains and on every high hill, my sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search search or to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding, to, to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them any longer. Jesus plays off of this imagery to talk about shepherds 
who only look forward to taking care of themselves, but don't look forward to taking care of the sheep. And in our society, in our society and in the church today, it's filled with shepherds. But the question is, is it filled with true shepherds? Because Jesus is the prototype of the ultimate shepherd, and every shepherd that claims to be the shepherd must. Like I remember one, one, one woman said, "Look, I, I can't get I can't get a Bentley. You know, I could buy a Bentley, but first my pastor got to be able to get a Bentley." I'm like, "What does that have to do with anything?" I don't want to go beyond him because he's the head, and if I go beyond him, you, I'm like, "What? What are you talking about? What is it? Like I can't live higher than my pastor. I got to sow into him." But that comes from a philosophy of the shepherds fleecing the flock. The flock does not exist for the shepherd. The shepherd exists for the flock. Bring this to the man of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says false shepherds are trained in the area of greed. It says that they, they nurture one another. I'm telling you, Doc, if you, you want to get them, Doc, Doc, I'm telling you, Doc, you got to get your flock, Doc, 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 nothing, shepherd the sheep. Look, 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 look. We have to listen. We as shepherds, oh, my God, God has a big demand on shepherds who do nothing but take from the sheep, who have sex with the sheep. Who, who talk about raising money for something they never spend money on. You all, this is a warning to true sheep. You better learn how to recognize a gimmick when you see it. Because many shepherds start off as good shepherds. But that is a marketing tactic. That's a marketing tactic to draw you in and then get your allegiance and do with you what they will. Many shepherds, when they see sheep, they only see what they can get from sheep, not what they can give to sheep. That's massively important. In Acts chapter 20, in Acts chapter 20, Paul gave the people at uh, Ephesus, he called the elders specifically. And when he called the elders to himself, what he did, he says, listen, he says, remember what it was like when I was among you, how I admonished you every day with tears, weeping among you, talking to you about it, doing visitations, helping you to know. And I didn't ask you for anything just so you could know what it is like to be an example for you. I didn't fleece you. He says, but after I dip, there are going to be a group of cats, and some of them are in the room right now. And they are like ravaging wolves, and they're coming in among you, and they are not going to spare the flock. But you elders among you, you stand guard. That's why Epiphany Fellowships believe in not a senior pastor, but a community of elders. Because we believe. We don't trust ourselves by ourselves. Left alone, I'll be one of them cats. 
But that's why we're called to be a community of shepherds. Appoint elders, plural, in every city. Titus 1-5. Paul calls himself the elders, plural, of Ephesus. It's not one cat. That's why so many of us go astray. Because it's easy. It's easy. And it's, people are vulnerable. People, people want it. That's why we don't try to tell you. We keep each other accountable. Dudes, let's not just tell them what they want to hear. What does the book say, dog? It's very, very important that we as shepherds and that you as sheep have the proper coexisting relationship that God ordained for us to have with one another. So false shepherds, you got to recognize them. Every time, like I got family members, I got people, I'm, 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 I'm listening to them talking about their leaders. I got to do this for my pastor. I got to do this. And he got to, and I got to. That's all I hear about is your pastor. That's all I hear about. I don't hear anything about Jesus. I'm not talking about a cat being worthy of his hire. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that look for opportunities to take you for everything you got. And you better learn to recognize them, people of God. Be able to recognize the false shepherds. Let me just read some of what Peter says about false shepherds. Can I read it? He says, he says in in chapter three, uh, chapter two, he says, so he says, so put away. He says, so put away. um, I'm I'm in the wrong one. Right here. There we go. He says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will securely bring in destructive heresies, uh, uh, even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed, maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation uh, from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world, but preserve, preserve Noah, a herald of righteousness with even others. When he brought a flood upon the world, the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trial. Then he goes down and he says, he says in verse 17, Matter of fact, let's go up to verse 10. He says, and especially those who indulge in the defiling passion and despise authority, bold and willful. They do not tremble as they blaspheme the glorious ones, whereas angels, though greater in might and power, do not pronounce the blasphemous judgment against them before the Lord. But these, like uh, irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction, suffering wrong as the wage for their wrongdoing. They count its pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deception while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unstable souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, 
forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. Listen, listen, I didn't mean to spend much time on that part. But it's so important, so important that we begin as sheep to recognize true shepherds. But then Jesus goes from talking about the characteristics of false shepherds to going and talking about the characteristic of the true shepherd. And we saw that he says, listen, I am the door to the sheep. And then he says, he says, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. In other words, he says, a true shepherd takes care of the sheep. A true shepherd takes care of the sheep. He says, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Now, most people think they know what the abundant life is. Most of the times when I hear abundant life, it always has to do with financial prosperity only. God called me to the abundant life. I don't care what you say. I name it, claim it, grab it, grab it, call it, and haul it. I got, I, I claim the victory in Jesus' name, and I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be the head, not the tail. I'm going to be the front and not the back. I'm going to be rich and not poor. I'm going to have a lot and not a little. Turn back to Ezekiel 34, and let's talk about what the abundant life is. Verse 11, for thus says the Lord God, oh, can y'all handle this? Listen, let me tell you, can y'all handle what God is about to tell you what the abundant life is from, from the Bible? Not like somebody making something up, but from the Bible. Verse, I'm just going to read it. Let the Bible preach itself. He says, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. Number one, number one, the abundant life is God came and got you. Now, 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 we ain't going to get the shouting music on that one. But that's the abundant life. And I will seek them out. God is after you like, like, like I saw these dudes in Seattle. When I went up to Seattle, I saw these dudes. I said, why y'all? They got the Nike factory up there, the big joint, where they ship all the shoes first. Man, Cass is outside, right? I'm like, dude, setting up lawn chairs. And I'm looking like, now, what's, now what are these things? What's going on? Dude said, now, they said, oh, man. Them new sneaks coming out tomorrow, and they can only let you buy two. And I'm like, so, and, it, and it's like 20 degrees, and the ocean is nearby. I'm like, yo, y'all standing out here to get some sneaks, two, two pairs? They say, yeah, man, if you don't get them now, you won't get I mean, and I'm looking at how they work to sneak, seek out some sneaks. And if man seeks out sneaks like that, in Christ, God sneaks, seeks us out more deeply than that by sending his son. But then it says, as a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that, he, uh, that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and of thick darkness. I will bring them out from the, from the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them. God is saying, listen, you will be fed directly from my hand. God says, I will, he says, your cousin didn't give it to you. Your mama didn't give it to you. Your boyfriend didn't give it to you. Nobody gave it to you. I'll put out my own hands and feed my sheep. 
That's the abundant life that God gives direct. You, you don't have to go through anybody to get it from God. God comes right to you and say, here, fam. He says, I feed my own. He says, I will feed them, verse 14, with good pasture. Oh, wish I had time to unpack that imagery. And he says, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. What Jesus goes to do is Jesus goes to prepare the eternal inheritance. One of these days we're going to do a series on glorification and the inheritance of the saints so that you can know what we're going to inherit. Oh, I wish I had time. But, he's, but these grazing pastures are all of the blessings that come to the Christian. Yes, financial a little bit is a part of it, but some parts of it is no finances for a season. Can you handle that? Can you handle part of God's shepherding process? It's him not feeding you so that you can go to him so you won't get twisted by who's feeding you. Oh, because sometimes we can fall in love with what we're being fed, but not get, fall in love with the feeder. <laughs> and so God says, see, 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 God says, listen, he, the, 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 see, you shouldn't get excited about what you're going to eat. You shouldn't get excited about what you're going to wear. You should get excited about the one who takes up residence in the pasture with you. See, too many times we look to God for, that's why I started with the difference between anthropocentric man-centered theology and Christ-centered theology. Because if you're following Christ for Christ and you want him, then the pasture is only the byproduct. Dang, I got to move. But then he says, then he says in verse 15, he said, I myself, listen to how many times God said, I will, I myself, I will bring. He says, I will shepherd my sheep. I will, I myself will make them lie down. Oh, (laughs) he's, God is saying, listen, I will, the the lie down thing is sheep were always afraid in the valleys. And so the shepherd had to put up his staff and his presence and make them lie down to let them know that he'd keep watch over them. The abundant life is you don't no longer have to look over your shoulder. You no longer have to take care of yourself. But the God of heaven will take care of you. Psalm 121 says, God, uh, while, we, while, while we're asleep, he, he looks out for he does a, He never slumbers, nor sleep. When you went to bed last night, God was stationed over you on the lookout. And even if he allows something to happen to you, he still will shepherd you through that process. But the question is, can you accept all of the things that God provides in the pasture? Or will you just, like, 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 like it's, a, it's a snack buffet and say, I don't like Oreos, but I do like uh, Ships Ahoy. I'll take this. No, do you want all of what God has in the snack buffet of the pasture? Dang, I wish I had time. Then he goes forward. Then he says, he said, I will seek the lost. He said, when you go astray, when you run off, he said, I'll come get you. That's the abundant life. That even when you decide you want to act a fool, God says, look, I will roll up my eternal sleeves and I'll find a way to get after you. Ah, I'm just saying, do you want the abundant life today? I'm not talking about the abundant life that some dude makes up on the TV screen. I'm talking about the one he's talking about in these scriptures. Woo. Ah, he said, I will seek the lost. I will bring them back. Bring back the straight. I will bind them up. When you get hurt, when you get injured by the hurts of life, God says, I will heal you. 
He said, if you've ever, if somebody's broken you up in a relationship, that's okay. If somebody's frustrated you in your life, that's okay. If you lost your job and it wasn't your fault, that's okay. I'll bind you up. And the way God, God don't heal like other people. Now, t- tell me your story from the beginning. God will just zoom into your injury. And he'll grab a hold of your injury and wipe it off. Put antiseptic on it and bind it up for healing. Ah, this is the abundant life if you like it. He says, I will strengthen the weak. How many? Who's, who's weak today? Who's weak today? Who, who didn't feel like spending time with God this week? Who didn't feel like praying this week? The Bible says that even when we don't pray and we're going through so hard, it says the Holy Spirit will begin to pray for us. That's the abundant life. Do you want it? He goes further. He says, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. He says, people who are prideful, who don't need me, I'll wipe them out because they don't want me to shepherd them. They want to shepherd themselves. Then he goes down. He says, I will feed them in justice. He says, justice. In other words, I won't give you. See, God said, I won't give you what you deserve. He says, whatever has been held back from you, I will, be, I will do justice with it. He says, as for you, my flock, thus says the Lord, good, uh, the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down the feet of the rest of your pasture and to drink clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet and, and must my sheep eat? What, they, what uh, you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between you fat sheep and lean sheep because you, um, you, uh, you push with side and shoulder and thrust all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between my sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd. Here's the prophecy. My servant David, and he shall feed them and shall feed them and and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them, and I am the Lord, I have spoken. God said, listen, what I found out when I read this passage is that Jesus will shepherd the sheep and the Father will shepherd the sheep. A community of shepherds. A community of shepherds. But then he goes forth. I'm going to bring it in. I'm going to bring it in. I'm bring it in. Not only is, is, is his identity true, is known by his identity, not only is he known by his character, but he's also known by his sacrificial care. Sacrificial care. He said a hired hand, a hired hand is not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing about the sheep. He says, but I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus said a person is hired, a hired hand, you know, was, was, was like a rent-a-cop. Like a rent-a-cop. You, you ever seen a rent-a-cop, like something happened or somebody stole something, and you're like, I ain't telling him. 
Like he ain't got no gun. He ain't got, he ain't even got the stick joint, you know, the stick so he can whack somebody. He got a walkie-talkie and a donut. And he kind of like a glorified scarecrow just in case something happened. You know, he kind of just stands there. Um, and, and, so, and so this glorified, I mean, so he just hired to kind of have on the uniform like he's going to do something. But, but for the most part, he ain't going to really do nothing about it. That's what Jesus calls the hireling. Like they're a glorified scarecrow. Like they're just in the mix to like ward you off if you, like, but he ain't really, like if something jump off, you know, the hireling like, all right, sheep, man. Everybody fend for yourself, and he dip. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember when I remember when I was in high school. I used to work at People's Drugstore, right across the street from the um from the from the White House. And I was I was I was standing at the cash register, man. And man, this dude runs. He running down the aisle, and he hits the wall. And my manager, he getting him. He, I mean, he's a he a real thin dude. I mean, this dude li- literally is a buck oh five. This dude he's wrestling with is three oh five, and they go in there and they fight and they shaking, and he getting jammed, bang, 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 getting tore up, and then the dude just finally left and got out of the joint. And he said, Eric, Eric, he said, why? He said, oh my God, why you didn't help me? And you know, I'm in high school, just as unsaved as I can be. I say, first off, this ain't my store. <laughs> Number two, main man was big. Number three, you see how he was hitting you? <laughs> and number four, I don't get paid to do that. I say, I'm behind the cash register, fam. That's where. I'm not getting, I'm, I'm not getting hit over no nihilators. <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting hit over no nihilators. <laughs> That's how a hireling is. A hireling won't risk himself for the littlest things. But Jesus says, I laid down my life for you. He says, a true shepherd, me being the good shepherd, I lay down my life for you no matter how much I put myself in harm's way for you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So he, he presents sacrificial care. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my, and then he goes down and he says, and I bring them. And I, he says, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus is talking about, Jesus is talking about this. He says, I developed the sheepfold. He says, there's the Jews that are scattered all over the place and then there's the Gentiles. What I'm going to do is I'm going to present myself as one shepherd. I'm going to call out to all of my sheep all over the place. When I call out to my sheep, they all are going to file into one fold and they're going to be one flock. He said, I'm, he said, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to stop my people from being scattered. But not only does he have sacrificial care, not only does he uh, present sacrificial care, but uh, a true shepherd is held accountable. It's right in the text, verse 18. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay down my life on my, uh, on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to raise it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. Jesus says that the Father holds him accountable of his shepherdship of the sheep. The Father holds him accountable. Any shepherd that you know of that's not accountable ain't a true shepherd. 
ain't a true shepherd. If any shepherd is allowed, the Bible says, if anyone isolates himself, he does not find favor, Proverbs 18.1. Like a true shepherd doesn't isolate himself. A true shepherd puts himself in the place, in the place where people can ask them hard questions. If, if it always hiding stuff, you can't see, like the books always being hid, don't know where the money going. There ain't no shepherd. You can't ever ask him, I saw you down walking with homegirl. What's up with that? Well, you know, touch not my God, the God, touch not my anointed. I will slap somebody. <laughs> if, one, if one more person tells the touch not my anointed, I'm just going to scream until my eyeballs fall out. Because people always pull that verse out, whoop, pull that verse out so that they cannot be held accountable for something. Dang, I got to move. Too convicting. So it says, uh, he said, but notice Jesus says, I have authority. That means the father gave him authority. And he said, this is what the charge that I received from the father. John six thirty nine says, this is the charge that I received from the Father that I knew is none but raised up on the last day. Ah. Then he says in verse 21, I mean 22, he says, At that time the Feast of Dedication, which is Hanukkah for them, took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. This is December. And Jesus was walking into the temple, into the colonnade of, the, of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered and said to them, I told you, and you do not believe me. The works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe me because you are not a part of my flock. Dang. Dang. He said, the fact that you walk in unbelief shows you that you don't know me. Let's move. Verse 27. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they will follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hands. I and the father are one. The last thing is a true shepherd is a protector of the sheep. Ah, this is a powerful verse because Jesus says he gives them unending life. Those, those sheep, he said, I give them un, un, unending life. Not only that, they will never perish. Then he says, they are in my hand. No one will snatch. That word snatch is a, is a word of violence. No one will snatch them out of my hand. And my father, who is greater than me, ain't nobody big enough to step to the father. Now, people, now this is, this is an eternal security passage. And we at Epiphany believe in eternal security. We believe that if you could lose your salvation, you didn't have it in the first place. But this is what, these are the keys to the verse. Eternal life. If you're able to die, you didn't have eternal life. Because eternal life means continued life, able to perish. This is not talking about physical death because the Bible promises to each man that wants to live and then die. So it's not saying that they will never perish physically. But then he goes and he says, he says, and they're in my hand. Now, a lot of people say, well, you can walk out of God's hand. Well, there are two things that you've got to understand. Like, first off, like, okay, let's think about this. Let's just think about this. Now, first off, he's, God doesn't have a hand. Because God is, God is, is, is non-corporeal. That means he's a spirit. 
So God ain't got like got a hand, literal hand, but he uses anthropomorphic language to display the security of us. But let's just say for the sake of argument, God had a hand. Okay. The first assumption people make is that God's hand is open. That's the first assumption people make. The second assumption people make. Now, somebody said they can you can walk out of God's hand. Now, let's think of now how big is God? Like if God can put his feet on the earth and, and kick, kick across it like that. How long will it take for somebody in his hand to walk out of his hand? If he's omnipresent, omnipotent, omnipotent and omniscient. Like, how long you go? You'll be like, I'm trying to walk out of his hand, but dang. <laughs> like, dang, God, let me walk out your hand. <laughs> like, you're secure, y'all. You're secure. And then some people will say after that, well, see, you can't tell people that. Because when you tell people that, they're going to just say, oh, I'm saying, oh, shoot, where's the drinks, where's the weed, where the women, where the, they ain't saved. <laughs> they ain't saved if they look at, Paul says, should we sin that grace should abound? He says, no, may it never be. He says, but the motivation of grace is sanctification. Security is supposed to drive us to grow, y'all. God gives us grace and gives us things within the pasture to live out the nutrients of the Christian faith. We're supposed to feed on Christ, y'all. And as you feast on Christ and as you walk with Jesus, you grow up, you hate sin more, love God more, you hate what he doesn't like, you love what he wants more. Because, because listen, your diet is different now. Like, we're not preaching this Christianity that allows people to stay the way they are. The gospel will call us the justification to bring us in a relationship with God and to grow us in our relationship with God. <laughs> but then Jesus goes down, and we're going to end on this. Jesus goes down in an interesting section, which is a very con- controversial part of Scripture. But it's not really that controversial. It says in verse 31, it says, the Jews picked up stones to stone him jesus answered and said to them i have shown you many good works from the father for which of them are you going to stone me and the jews answered and said to him it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself to be god jesus answered and said to them this is it not written in your law i said you are gods if if uh, if he called them gods um, to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the father has consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God. Now you got to understand what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not talking about it being written in the law. He's saying it's written in your law. Now, what does he mean by that? He's talking about their interpretation of the Old Testament. In Psalm 82, around the sixth verse, it talks about you are gods. When you read the passage, you'll understand that he's not talking about the Jewish people. He's talking about the kings of the earth. Now, what happened was is the Jews took this and they utilized it um, for them to say that they were many gods, not like Elohim like he was, but in a, in a way, a, a, a subpar of him. And so Jesus says, see, that, that's not even what the, he said, first off, you're taking it out of context. But let's just say for the sake of argument, he did say that about you. 
He says, he says, he said, you are God. He said, if he called y'all gods, like y'all, then how much more will he call the son of man? The son, how much more will he call the son of God, God? And so Jesus is again proclaiming to them, I'm God. So the focus, most people focus in, like we all, I remember the 5% nation is under the See, Jesus even said we was all gods. Like, but in context, he's talking about kings who, and talking about sovereign rulership. And Elohim was a word that was used not only for God, but it was also used of angels and kings. So he's not talking about it in the same sense of the one who's plural, who's plural in his attributes. And he says, if I am not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Jesus even preaches the gospel to them even though he knows they're not his sheep. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. <laughs> What's funny about Jesus doing that all the time? Like, like imagine in our society if every time the police came out to somebody, they started running. Like, Jesus was like a fugitive. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking at this. It, 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 this is the third time in the gospel that he eluded their grasp with dips. Like, but you know he's not in real trouble because they still let him get up to teach, and they don't try to get him until, like, the end of his teaching. <laughs> so it's kind of real funny to me. I just thought that was just a side note. Verse 40, he says, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing first. And there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did, not, did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. <laughs> John the gatekeeper, Jesus the great shepherd. May the, day, may the day as we meditate on the great shepherdship of Christ, the great and powerful, powerful shepherding of Christ. There's a few things that I want you to begin to just meditate on and think through, is I want you to begin to live in light of the true abundant life that the Scripture lays out. Wanting God and accepting what he gives. Accepting what he gives. Many people don't want to accept what God gives. We want to dictate to God what he's going to give to us. But if we're the sheep of his pasture, he leads us and he tells us where to eat. He tells us where to lay. And we got to happy, be happy with what he provides. I remember my mama used to always tell me, uh, my mama used to make this one dish I didn't like. It's one dish. And I come downstairs and I smell it and I knew what it was. And especially if she had some chitlins and some turnip greens cooking. I couldn't stand chitlins. I could not. I mean, I still can't. And um, I go down and smell them chitlins, man. I'd be like, oh, I need to go out on the, on the step. Mama says, dinner time. I said, Mom, can I eat something else? She says, no. I, she says, no. I said, I said, Mom, I don't want that. She said, well, you don't want to eat. That's the same thing God says to us. Are you going to eat what I provide for you? But you're going to keep coming back to me telling me to feed you. And I'm going to give you the same meal. Will you eat it? Will you eat it? The Christian life, some of the, some of the pastures will be good pastures that we will actually like. And some pastures where God takes us into will frustrate us. But the question is, will you know his voice, will you follow him, and will you eat? <laughs>
then also I want you to begin to, wherever you are, whether you become a part of Epiphany Fellowship or not, we'd love for you to be a part of our community of faith, this particular community. But wherever you are, get under a good, a, a shep, a good shepherd under the, uh, that a, there's a sub-shepherd of the true shepherd. Because First Peter chapter 5 says, when the chief shepherd appears, all of the self-proclaimed shepherds will have to be held accountable to that true shepherd. And not only is God going to hold the shepherd accountable for how they shepherd, but he's also going to hold you accountable to who you follow. So as we think about this week, let's look at Jesus Christ as the prototype shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, and everybody got to look at him and take their P's and Q's from him. That's what we want to walk away with today is Jesus Christ being the true and magnificent shepherd. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today and every head bow, every eye closed, and you've never met this shepherd that will lead you into some banging like pastures, some dope pastures. But it's not about that at first. Like, don't look at the pastures. Look at, look at the shepherd. God sent his only son to be the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the, the, she- the, 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 the most, the, the dopest shepherd. But got to understand, all of us are jacked up and tore up from the floor. Up. And because of that, the shepherd had to give his life. And he took the sins of our past, present, and future, and he put it on this shepherd. And this shepherd was cut down. But the shepherd says that he's so sovereign that he takes his own life up from the grave. And that it was God's orders, the super shepherd, that he would get up from the grave with all power in his hand. If you're here today and you've never trusted the fact that Jesus Christ was the shepherd, the good shepherd. You, you didn't, you didn't, you never trusted him as, as the sacrifice for your sin. The shepherd became a sheep, a lamb, and died for your sins. If that's you and you never trusted Jesus, slip your hand in the air. We'd like to get in contact with you. Slip your hand in the air. Slip your hand in the air. Well, Lord, we thank you for that work, Lord God, the work of the true shepherd. We pray in Christ's name that our lives will reflect the truth of a dope shepherd who guides us, leads us into all truth, and takes us in his direction. Lord, we want to hear your voice. We want to continue to hear your voice as wrought through scripture. And Lord God, we want to follow you. Help us to be faithful followers, not flighty, fleety followers. Because that's not a follower at all. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.